Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. Today we are talking about why everything in your house needs a home. You might have heard of the quote and when I looked it up it was attributed to Benjamin Franklin but I'm pretty sure some other people have said it as well. A place for everything and everything in its place and this kind of just fills me with warm fuzzies. How about you Beck? <laughs> definitely. Well the first part, the a place for everything is definitely one of my life's what's the word mantras um but everything its place is a little harder to achieve for me because I'm so messy but um I do have a place for everything and everything is not in its place all the time but it does have a home uh so I do I do love this this phrase but I think that you know we can we can relax a little bit about the second half of it um (laughs) well I can anyway with the path to organizing um and you know obviously we talk a lot about decluttering most of the time I would suggest that decluttering is like the first phase. That's what you do first, all the purging. And then in the second phase, when you reorganize, it's during that reorganization bit that I would suggest you start aiming for everything to find its own home or its own place. But Beck, you do a bit together, don't you? You do a bit of Mm. finding homes during decluttering. Yeah. One of the methods that I use to declutter is the boundary method, which I would have talked about before because it's something I talk about a fair amount. And that involves finding a space or a storage container of some kind for that particular category of item and then decluttering in order to fit into that. So when we use that method as a decluttering method, then at the same time as the decluttering, you're allocating a home for a category. So during that part of it, it's done during the declutter phase. uh, And then obviously you would do it as well when you're organizing other things as well. But yeah, for the most part, most of the time, most of the methods um, call for homing things and rehoming things and setting things up in the organized phase. On that point of storage and limits and tubs, people, I think, so often confuse the whole purpose of storage as a means of holding as much as possible or hiding as much as possible. (laughs) Like you need to find storage to jam everything in, fit it in, hide it in. But I think really we need to start thinking about storage as, and the aim of storage as homing or housing your your stuff. To uh, storage should be there to give everything that you plan to keep its unique place in your home, and mm. to make it as accessible as you need it to be. Yeah, exactly. It's there for you to be able to put your hands on things quickly and to. put things away quickly and not necessarily just to hold stuff and keep it out of your way and um, so I think if you can if you are the type of person who says I just need some more storage and then I'll fill it and then it'll be all good maybe reframing it a little bit is a good idea because the storage is actually there to make your life easier not just to hold stuff in general yeah look last night I was looking at shoe storage I'm really unhappy with my husband's shoe storage mine is fine (laughs) but our little robot vacuum because my husband stores all his shoes on the floor of our um, walk-in wardrobe 
when the mm. robot vacuum goes in, if there's a stray shoelace out, <laughs> it will chew the shoelace and then drag the shoe around the rest of the house with it <laughs> as it keeps moving from room to room. Well, you have a very persistent um, robot vac then because mine just gives up. <laughs> Mine just sits there next to the shoe, speak, saying like, you know, check the wheels, check the wheels, check the wheels, because it's all tangled up and it actually can't move anywhere. So that happened to me just last week with mixed shoes that were half under the bed. And yeah, the robot back got tangled in the laces. And Well, and that's the thing. I was looking at different types of shoe storage and ways that we could get them not just off the floor, but... Some of his shoes, are like his dress shoes that he wears with suits and stuff, he doesn't wear that often. And so they can get really dusty. Mm. And so the way I have mine, I have them so that they don't get dusty because I've got, you know, um, protectors over them as well as under them. Anyway, um, that whole idea of storage and he's like, oh, what are you looking at? I said, oh, yeah, shoe storage. And it's not about fitting as many in as possible. It's about mm. how can we make this really functional and convenient and safe for the vacuum and safe yeah, for your and shoes. Safe for the shoes, yeah. Mm. Um, what so did you I, find? Uh, you know what? I found that IKEA really had some good uh, options, ones that you can put attached to your walls that you pull out and they don't extend out too far, but then the shoes will kind mm. of sit uh, vertical. Oh, yeah, I know the one. Or almost vertical, maybe on a 45 degree angle. Um, yeah. I thought they might work for this space. Because I don't want wide shoe storage on the floor. Um, yeah, because it'll take up a whole lot of your room. Mm. So anyway, we'll see. Not sure mm. if we'll get it. But so back to the idea of finding a place for everything in your home. Quite often I will talk about the fork principle with people. And this is definitely not my idea. I've heard, I think I've he- I heard Peter Walsh say it years and years ago when he was on Oprah or something Uh decluttering but I'm not sure if it was his idea originally and he said wherever you are in your house in your car anywhere in any of your spaces if you find a fork you and probably every person in your house unless they're maybe under the age of two would know where it belongs and they could put it away so you could find a fork in your handbag in your lounge room in the middle of the lawn in your backyard or in your car and you would know where to put it. I mean, maybe if it's dirty, might go to the dishwasher first on its way to the drawer, but everybody knows it belongs in the cutlery drawer. Hmm. So anyone can put it away and almost more importantly, anyone can find it when they need it. And so I think if you keep that whole fork principle in your head, the aim would then be to have the majority, if not all of the items in your house being like the fork. So they all mm. have their unique place in your house and everyone knows where to put them away and everyone knows where to find them. Yeah, exactly. And this is where, you know, the fork um, principle is a, it's a good analogy because, or it's a good example, because it's one of the most universal things that does have a home in every ha- every house. Uh, I think that, you know, you and I have been in enough houses to know that everybody has different uh, levels of organisation and everyone has different homes for things and everyone has different percentages of their possessions that do have a dedicated home. And the fork, the knives and forks are right up there with consistently having a home in, you know, even the most disorganised of homes. The cutlery has a home. 
And so, and I think that's because all the houses have kitchens and kitchens are designed to have a cutlery drawer. Uh, and so it's sort of an easy thing to to decide on a home for cutlery is because it's actually sitting there all they're ready for you. And, um, but if you sort of think about, you know, what are other things in your homes and are they like the fork and how much, how much of your home is like the fork? What percentage of your stuff has a home that everybody knows where it goes and it's easy to find and it's easy to put away. And for some people like you and I, it's like, 99% of stuff it has as a home and then in other houses it might be more like 20% or or something like that so you know it's if you think about the fork principle if you want to get if you want easy access to your stuff and and you want to be able to find things quickly and easily then the higher percentage of stuff that you have like a fork is the better absolutely and so I think if we haven't convinced you already that you need to go around your house and find homes for everything, um, there's heaps of other benefits. So one of them uh, that I would uh, make such a difference to me is that people aren't constantly asking you where stuff is. I mean, occasionally the kids when they're lazy and, you know, might still ask, um, but once everything in our house has a home and everyone knows where that home is, then people just help themselves and they're not always like, Mom, where's my soccer boots? Mom, where's my hat for school? And yeah, occasionally they they might still ask, but at least then I know what the answer yeah, is as well. Answer. It's not, I have to stop what I'm doing and go and help and them search. look for half an hour. Yeah, that's the worst thing. I hate it. I hate well, it sounds very selfish, but I hate stopping what I'm doing to go and help someone find something that they have lost. Mm-hmm. I, it just drives me nuts. And, um, yeah, if you don't have to get up and look and you can just say, you know, if it's not in the second drawer in your wardrobe, then you haven't put it away properly so you can go find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my the lazy mum's approach. <laughs> yeah, well, and even things like if the kids are going in the garden and, you know, they're probably not the – the ones that would put the gardening gloves away. But Mm. um, I can say, okay, look, they're in the laundry cupboard down the bottom on the right and you need to put them back there when you're finished because when I want the gardening gloves, then I need to know where to find them. Um, But it's that whole thing that gradually people will learn where stuff lives Mm. and the questions stop and then there's no excuse as well for people to leave stuff out. Like we're on this with our kids at the moment and they can't turn around and say, well, I don't know where my lunchbox goes. And it's like, yes, you do. It has a home, the same home it's had for the last 10 years. So put it away. Mm. You know, like it kind of stops any arguments about kids leaving stuff around or husbands leaving stuff around if they all know where the home is. Yeah. And there will be there will be people that, that don't, it doesn't sink in really quickly for and we we were joking. There's a bit of a Stanley joke in our house where my my kids take turns to unpack the dishwasher, and I forget frequently which one did that the last time. So whenever I then say, "Like Ethan, it's your turn to do the dishwasher," he'll argue back and say, oh, "I did it last time." And that's his default stance anyway, because he obviously thinks it's worth a shot to get out of it. Uh, but I've started and Zoe and I both realised that when Ethan disputes the fact that it's his turn to do the dishwasher, we just open a couple of the utensil drawers and see if there's anything in the wrong spot. <laughs> and then we know that it was him who did it last and he, he can get out of it and it's always turned. The last time it happened, he 
yelled at us and he said are you looking in the drawer to see if I've put something in the wrong spot and we, I couldn't help but laugh and I said yeah kind of mate but it'll work in your favor because if there is something in the wrong spot you don't have to do the dishwasher <laughs> it's clearly not your turn but yeah that's sometimes it takes a little while for everything to end up in the, its actual proper home and for people to remember remember it but uh, it, it does happen and at least it happens more than what it would if they didn't have homes so it's worth it. Yeah, and it makes that whole tidy up, not just for kids, but for grown-ups, so much easier to um, – mm. it makes it really easy to put things away instead of just putting them down because yep. you're not making a decision. So you, you, you know, walk in with an armful of stuff and you think, well, I know where the water bottles go. I know where my handbag goes. I know where my keys go. And so instead of going, where should I dump this this time? Where is there space to dump it this time? Um, mm. You just think, okay, cool, pop it away and it's home. Yeah. And this is the thing, the, if you think about all of the things that you touch in a day, if you had to think about where that is going to go every time you touch something in your house, imagine how much time you will save from not having to think about it. Like just you just don't have to make all of those decisions. You know, where do I put the, I mean, in the kitchen, it's pretty easy. Like, you know, you know where to put your dirty dishes and your clean dishes mostly. But, you know, you, you sort of, you pick something up or you you move something and some, you find something in the way and you've got to think about where it's got to go. And when you have homes for everything, you just don't have to think about it. You've made one decision and it's made. And, you know, after that, you sort of go into autopilot and, and just put it away. So the amount of time saved um in small and mental 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 what's the word um mental clutter as well because you get decision making fatigue it's a real thing and if you have to make a billion little decisions a day that is going to wear on you more than if you didn't have to so it's it's worth it for just that alone i think so i've just looked up an article which explains some of the things that are most commonly lost in your house and it's an American study, but the one item that is lost the most, and look, I can admit that this happens in our house too, is the TV remote, <laughs> then phones, car keys and house keys, glasses, shoes, wallets and purses, and then it goes into lots of little other items after that, but they were the most significant ones. Mm. And because it's an American study, it's only got a stat for Americans, but says that on average they spend two and a half days a year looking for lost items. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, how how much time we can waste looking for things. I hate looking for things. It's one of the reasons why, you know, how many years ago I actually decided to get myself organised and I was living in – a home that was relatively well organized because Mick's naturally like that but I just came in and messed it all up when I moved in and I just got sick of losing things and that's it's probably and I've already said this once and so people can obviously see how much I hate it but I hate looking for things it's one of the things that I really get annoyed with and and have very little patience for so you know the benefits of that yeah this one's even bigger for me than being asked where things are <laughs> like I I will I will put this at the top of my list of the benefits is that things just don't get lost and they they still will but definitely not as much and it's usually only when you're out of routine like we've got a place for our keys 
but there was a phase or a time at which I was getting home and if someone was already home and I didn't have to keep my keys in my hand and open the back door, unlock the back door, I would stick the keys in my pocket or in my bag on the way from the car to the house and then I wouldn't put them in the normal spot. And um, so then the keys would get lost and, you know, Mick would go to grab my car keys and say, where are your keys? And I'd be like, oh, aren't they in the bowl? <laughs> and then, But then I knew they'd be in my other, either my coat pocket or my, my bag. But even when you have homes for things, uh, sorry, when you have homes for things, even the things that do get lost, you really still only have a couple of options of where you have to look. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, it just doesn't take as long looking for things. So. Yeah, look, keys for us is pretty standard like we've got a key rack and all the keys go in there and Mm. that's you know a habit the one thing that I really don't have a home for that causes me a bit of lost time is my phone and I think it's because (laughs) I think a lot of people have this yeah yeah. like if it's charging and quite often that's the place I'll look for it and I'm going oh it's not at the charging station so okay where because I use it for all sorts, like I might've had it in the kitchen because I was looking at a recipe or maybe I was listening to a podcast while I was doing yoga. So maybe it's in, you know, the front room with my yoga mat. Mm. Maybe it's been out the back because the kids have grabbed it to do a Snapchat or something, you know, like, and it's, it could be anywhere. It, I'm, on, I'm on my phone constantly. So I'm always putting it down in every room (laughs) all the time constantly putting it putting it down and picking it up and wandering off again one of the things that I love about my Apple watch is that I can ping my phone Mm -hmm. and so even if it's on silent because you know how sometimes if you lose your phone you just get someone else to ring it but mine's on silent all the time because I don't like phones ringing and so I have to ping it with my watch and so you know I have to stand in the middle of the house (laughs) and I just ping and I can hear this chime going off I'm like right left where is it somewhere up that end of the house yeah it's fantastic that was my justification a couple of years ago for why we still needed a home phone Ram was like do we really need a home phone anymore I'm like I use a home phone almost every day and he's like what for I'm like to find my phone (laughs) (laughs) and he's like why don't you just use the iPad and FaceTime yourself or grab one of the kids phones and I was like yeah fair enough yeah but we still have a home phone. Now it doesn't ever get used because I use a different way of finding my phone. But for I reckon for 12 months, that's the only time mm. anyone ever used it. <laughs> oh. And you still used it every day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, there's, so there's heaps of benefits to having homes for things. The other one I think we don't really consider very often is that quite often things last longer or don't break as frequently because they're kept in a storage solution that's kind of suitable for their needs so like we were talking about before with the shoes if they have a home I mean they they have a place where they live but if they have a more suitable home um, they're less likely to have tattered shoelaces but also things Mm. if you've got um, delicate items and you know not just that item doesn't have a home, but other things. You might have stuff being stacked on top or pulled out from underneath. Things can snag and break and all of that mm. kind of stuff. So if there is a home and you make sure the home's the right size, if it needs to be padded, it's suitably padded. If it's, you know, uh, fabrics that could pull easily, maybe their their home isn't in a wicker basket that could snag them. Maybe in it some, it's in something like a fabric basket or something with smooth sides. So it, 
creating homes isn't just about finding it. It's also about kind of protecting your items. And hopefully if you've decluttered and you're just keeping the things that you really love and you use frequently, you want them to last longer and you don't want them to break. Yeah, for sure. And we'll be back to that discussion in just a moment. If you really appreciate this podcast and get a lot from it, we would love it if you would consider becoming a Patreon supporter. This will help us keep the podcast content coming to you by covering some of our costs and importantly, keep it ad free. You can find the Become a Patreon button on our website at www.beuncluttered.com.au. We really appreciate your support. Thank you. Right. Now, back to the discussion. So, Beck, sometimes people get derailed by this whole idea of finding a home. Do you want to talk to us around that idea? Uh, yeah, that's, there's a few things that will sort of prevent you from finding homes for things. And for most of my clients, it's the sheer volume of things that they have to find homes for. And I think that's one of the, the trickier parts of the process. If you can manage to declutter and if that doesn't trip you up too much, then the finding the homes for things, you know, people find really difficult. So there's a few different things, different ways that we can make it a little bit easier. And I think that probably one of the first ones is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be permanent permanent so you can experiment with permanent homes for things and then move them around as you live with them for a little while so that's the first thing I would say is ditch the perfectionism because you want to sort of take some action and have something some kind of home that will give you the benefits that you need first and then you can perfect it a little bit later yeah that whole idea that you need to find the right place or home. Sometimes that's enough for people to go, oh, look, I can't declutter Mm. that or sort that or organize that because I haven't decided what the right home is. And I think you need to eliminate the idea of that right home, that there's a right or a wrong option or that perfect option. Get rid of that idea and just create a home and you can always change it. If you're start, if you think you've got zero to five percent of your stuff with um, no permanent homes in your house, start with stuff that's really easy, like keys or your handbag or your purse or your phone, and then <laughs> tell us where you keep your phone so that we can try doing the same thing. Um, I think your pocket is probably the best bet. <laughs> I don't always have pockets. I almost always do. And when I don't, I will tuck it in my tights <laughs> or in my bra because otherwise, yeah, if I put it down, I just have to search around pinging it, um, you know, just 20 minutes later. So I did see um, a friend of mine has got a, it's like, you know how people put those little um, straps on their glasses, like their spectacles? So that they can take them off and hang them around their neck. A friend of mine I saw the other day had like a cool looking neck lacy type thing that attached to her phone case. And I was like, oh, Oh. maybe that's, maybe I'm at that point now where I need to actually (laughs) hang my phone on me. (laughs) So like a lanyard basically. Yeah. 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 But an attractive lanyard. Mm. Not one that looks like you're at work or something. Mm. So, yeah, I would say start easy or start with your, you know, maybe something in the kitchen 
because you've probably already got home for your cutlery, then maybe just extend it to your second, mm. third, fourth drawer and see if the stuff in there, whether it's in a home that's suitable and it should stay there or whether it should move somewhere else. Yep. So one of the principles of organising is to group like with like. So that's sort of one of the things that I advocate as well when creating homes for things is if you're trying to think where can this live, I always say stick it with its mates. So, you know, if you think of the analogy of Toy Story, who would it hang out with um, when the humans aren't in the house? And so if you've got batteries and you're trying to decide where the batteries should live, you can ask yourself, well, you know, in my mind, who do the batteries hang out with? Do they hang out with the light globes or do they hang out with the torches or do they hang out with the candles? You know, um, everyone's got a different idea. And so if you just think where where will I go looking for this or alongside what will I go looking for this, that will actually help you then create a home. Yeah, and look, there could be a couple of different options. I mean, if you've got fabric napkins maybe they hang out with your napkin rings and your tea towels and maybe they hang out with your tablecloths or maybe they hang in a different drawer with your placemats and other fancy china or paper towels or something like that I think it's important to think about where you would go looking for them like you said and appreciate that the right home although we're not talking about the right home (laughs) The best home for them for now. The most helpful home. Yeah, Yeah. the most helpful home is a place that works for you. And that could be completely wrong for someone else in a different house. So like Beck and I, the right home for the dog food in my house is in my laundry because that's where we feed our dog. And for Beck, it's in the Mm. kitchen because that's where they prep their dog food. So because hers is in the kitchen doesn't mean dog food needs to live in my kitchen. You work out based Mm. on your lifestyle and the way you... Uh, function in your house what might be a good place for your stuff Mm. and dog food's actually a good example like when I organized my mum's pantry for her uh, one of the things that we'd always done as a family is and mum had always done storage wise was the dog food always went down the bottom of the pantry that was just the thing so in every house that we lived in the dog food went at the bottom of the pantry and I thought about that when I was organizing mum's pantry and I was like but mum mum tucks like uses the dog food twice a day and the bottom of the pantry is for stuff you use infrequently so I moved the dog food up to be on the the shelf that was at sort of face height along with her you know um, condiments and like the Vegemite and the peanut butter and the things that were used frequently and she sort of looked at it and went I would never have done that. She'd never have done that. But then she said, but actually that works really well because I don't have to bend down twice a day to feed the dogs. It's right there. It's in my face. It's it's accessible to me. And it's something that she goes for, you know, more than more than most of the food in the pantry, actually. So, um, yeah, it's not just because it's not um, necessarily what somebody else does doesn't mean that it can't work for you. Or just because it's not what you've always done doesn't mean it can't work for you. Mm. And that's the thing. I think you've got to just get a bit curious and start, find a place. And then if you feel like that actually that doesn't work, that's jarring or that's annoying to get to, um, then just shift it, change it, forget any kind of permanence about it. Mm. If you're the chief organiser in your home and are moving things that other people use – 
try and get advice or feedback from the people that use that item the most, mm-hmm. or if everyone in the house uses it, um, talk to them about where they think would be a good place to keep it. Uh, like my kids, for example, you know, I was trying to organize their bathroom cupboard and where they where they would love to keep their jewelry or their hair supplies is probably all over the bench <laughs> or, or, or all over their bedroom floors. Uh, that won't work for me or, and it won't work for them because I'll be at them all the time to clean it up. So, and the robot vac would get very full <laughs> yeah. of, of scrunchies. The poor robot vac. <laughs> so for me, I suggested some boundaries and I said, okay, look, all your hair scrunchies have to fit in this basket uh, all your all your jewelry, maybe try and keep in your jewelry box. And look, if you want to put the basket with your hair scrunchies in the bathroom, that's fine. Or you want to put it in your room, that's fine. Same with their jewelry. I don't where you put it wherever works for you, but try and keep it within that container. So, firstly, you know where they go. I know where they go, so we can all put them away when we find them. But you can put it in a location that works for you. And, you know, if you need to move it from place to place when you're getting ready, that's fine too. So talk to the people that, that use the stuff and see if they've got suggestions as well. Yep, I totally agree. And um, the the person that uses it the most is more likely to then keep the things in their homes if they've had some buy-in as to where their homes are as well. More on the idea that it doesn't have to make sense to other people, I remember the episode back where we were talking about your plant stuff and how you keep it in your sideboard with the serving platters. And (laughs) the thing I love about that is even for other people in your house, that might not make sense. But if it's something that you are the only one that uses, you just Mm. have to know where to find it. It doesn't have to be logical. Mm. It just has to be known. I got, I got tired of losing my uh, water meter and I also got tired of looking for a watering can that wasn't dirty because like the watering cans that live outside get um, spider webs on them and dog hair and gross stuff. And then I would like want to bring them inside to water my plants inside. So I didn't like that. So I bought myself a, an inside watering can, which stays nice and clean. And then uh, the going outside as well you know just annoyed me going out to buy to get the plant food and um so I just put them all yeah in my buffet cabinet in front of my platters and and I go to that there's there's three things and only two of them need to be moved if I need to get a big platter out so it's not inconvenient and um, I reach I'm reaching for them one to two times a week so yeah it works really well with me and no one else really goes into that buffet um to get the platters out it's just me I pretty much have ownership of what's in that buffet like it's my my art stuff is in there as well and stuff that they just no one else uses except me so I thought well I'll put my watering can and my thrive and my water meter in there as well perfect and like we said you can change your mind later we just had a shift in this house we were keeping the rags that we would use if I'm getting the kids to you know wash a window or they're washing the car or dusting or something like that they were kept in the laundry cupboard and I was fine with that I told the kids where they were but then when they've got a job on their job list like clean a window or dust your bedside tables they would just go in and grab a tea towel I don't know if it was because it was (laughs) 
five steps closer than going to the laundry and getting a rag out of the cupboard. Most likely. But so they go and clean a window and come in with these, like my kitchen tea towels would be filthy. (laughs) And I'd be like, oh, guys, use a rag. So even though the rags have lived under the laundry sink for the past two years, I changed them and I created a spot in my tea towel drawer for the rags so that mm. the kids have no excuse. And that's the thing. It's its original home was the laundry and that's fine and it worked for me, but it obviously wasn't working for the kids. So we've just changed it and I've made sure I've told mm. everyone in the house so they all know that the rags now live there and that's what they're to reach for, for those kind of dirty jobs. And, and it's fine. And I think that idea of just don't pressure yourself to make the home permanent. Just find something Mm. that works for now. And if it doesn't work later, give yourself permission to change it. Yeah. And use what you've learned from it not working to help you find the new home too. Like you did. (laughs) Yeah. You used what you learned and you made an adjustment to suit. That's it. The other thing is sometimes when you store things or keep them in a home that's out of sight, it might mean that they're also out of mind. So if you find home for things and you can't store all of them in a really easily accessible way, you might want to write yourself an inventory or draw yourself a little map so that you can recall where the homes are when you need them or if there's someone else that needs to access things and they're not sure where you've created homes for, uh, a little map or a little inventory might help them. Yeah. And actually I've done this with clients at the start of the process as well. So especially visual clients, if you draw a, a floor plan of your house and don't make it fill the whole piece of paper because you want plenty of room around the floor plan for writing and drawing arrows and things. But if you draw a basic floor plan of the house and then you put in the storage options that you've got or the storage, the permanent storage that you've got in your home, then you can actually just sit down and go, all right, batteries, and then just draw a line to the laundry cupboard and write batteries and candles. And then you can have placemats and scrunchies and spare um, <laughs> I've forgotten what I was going to say. Um, hats and gloves for going outside. The dog leash. You know, you can just everything. You can sort of go, where's that going to live? And all the things that you can think of that you own, you can just write on a map, and then that will actually help you to um, start putting things in their homes as well, um, not just as a maintenance tool. And then if you've got people that come to stay, I've got plenty of friends who's parents come and look after their kids if they go away for Mm. work or on holiday and stuff like that having that little inventory or that little map could be really handy as well for other people if they're looking for stuff in your house and Mm -hmm. uh and don't know where to find it yeah the last thing i'd say about this is that sometimes it can feel a bit like a tetris puzzle and this happens quite often in our house as well when we find a new home for something the right home or the best home at that moment might displace something else. So an example of this might be when I bring home a kitchen appliance and I think, you know, I've bought a new appliance. The best location for it is in this kitchen cupboard because that's where I'll pull it out and it's close to the PowerPoint and this is where I'll use it. But that displaces 
maybe my salad bowls that were in that cupboard. So then I think, okay, where am I going to move the salad bowls to? What's their new home? So just, I guess, give yourself a bit of time and some patience. If you find an ideal home for something and it displaces something else, take your time to then figure that out. And, you know, eventually everything will fit in. You just can't expect mm. it to all be done instantly. It's a bit of a work in progress, it's isn't sort of, it? Yeah. And you might end up like going, having a flow on effect over three or four locations. And eventually you'll probably have to declutter something because you've just, especially if all of storage is full, you might have to find an area to declutter. But, you know, if you go to the buffet to and you put your bowls in the buffet and then you go, well, now I can't keep, I can't get my watering can in the buffet anymore. <laughs> I'll move my watering can to the laundry. And it's like, okay, well, now if my watering can is, can is in the laundry, I can't fit the tub of um, light globes. So then where am I going to put the light globes? Okay, well, they can go out in the garage and all the garage floor. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to declutter all of the light globes because none of them actually fit any of the lights that we've got in this house anymore because they were from 10 years ago. <laughs> so there we, at one point, you know, you'll move a few things and then there'll be some decluttering and eventually it'll even out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess just think of it as a work in progress, take your time and let go of the perfectionism when it comes to finding a home. The most important thing is that you find a home, not that the home is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you would like to share with us the uh, homes that you have for things, uh, it may be the weird homes that you have for things. I might see if I can remember to put up a photo of my buffet um, cabinet with its gardening stuff in front of it. So join us in the Facebook community group for all of that sharing and we will see you again here next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.